Turn with me now to John chapter 10. We'll continue our journey through the book of John. John chapter 10. Today we're going to be looking at the first 21 verses of John chapter 10. But before we do that, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for his help today. Lord, as we come to your word, pray that you would open it before us, that you would open our eyes, open our hearts. We were once those who not only couldn't understand your word, but had our hearts hardened against you and sought your throne for ourselves. And so now we stand as those who want nothing more than to follow after you and to know your word. And so help us to do that. Help us to learn from you. Help us to seek after you. Help us to continue to fight against that old nature in us that wants to war against you and submit to you, bow at your feet, learn from you. So convict us of our sin now this morning. Open your word that we might understand and see. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as I read through this, it reminded me of the movie uh, Karate Kid. You guys are familiar with the old, not the new Karate Kid, which is not bad, but the old Karate Kid is is better, of course, with Ralph Macchio. And uh, he was a young kid, and he was getting bullied at school, and he just moved to California from New Jersey, and so he was like a fish out of water. And he finds this wise old man named Mr. Miyagi, and Mr. Miyagi happens to be a karate master. Well, the two just fit together great, a bully, or a kid who's being bullied, and a karate master. Well, Miyagi is from the old school, and he kind of goes by this mantra is there's no bad students, only bad teachers. And he quickly realizes, he goes to visit the uh, the bullies karate school, because they're also karate students, as, as the movie would have it. And he goes and visits, and sure enough, their teacher's kind of crazy. And uh, threatens Mr. Miyagi, which he'll find out in the second movie was was not good. Uh, and then uh, threatens Daniel, and and just this whole story unfolds. And it's a really good movie. I try to watch it about once a month if I can. Uh, very good movie. But the whole idea: there are no bad students, only bad teachers. And that really feeds into what we're talking about today. We don't believe that ultimately. I mean, we. We believe that everyone is bad without Jesus, and with Jesus, at best, we're just recovering from that on a daily basis, and that's a good thing. However, there really is a lot of truth to the idea that you can tell who is leading someone just by watching them live. As Christians, we should be known by how we act. We should be known how, by how we think and how we speak, because our teacher, our leader, is Jesus Christ, and we should seek to be like him. We should stand out in a world that is being led by the person that they see in the mirror every morning. However, many times in the church, unfortunately, there are those who masquerade themselves as good leaders, flashy looks, flashy words smooth personality, they gain followers very easily, and they have very little substance. The nation of Israel had leaders just like these in their entire history. The elders or the shepherds of the flock 
as it were, who were put over Israel by their own people, led Israel astray all throughout their history, led them to worship false gods, led them to chase after other countries because they were seeking these other countries to deliver them rather than the Creator God to deliver them. And what did it do? It cost Israel many years of exile and shame. And when Jesus came, it had been 400 years since Israel had last heard a word from the Lord. The false teachers in Jesus' time were still seeking to lead the people astray. How were they doing it then? Namely, by casting doubt in the ministry of Jesus, the Redeemer that came to save his people from their sins. And so, in today's passage, we're going to look at this and how Jesus talks about these false teachers. And for us today, I think there's a lot to be gathered here as well, not only from our interactions with false teachers, but also with our interactions with good ones and with each other as well as we do that. So we're going to see Jesus, the good shepherd, is here to undo the wrongs of the false teachers and lead his people back to life. And so with that, we'll consider two points from the text, the thief that comes to destroy, but the son who comes to give life. And so with that, let's stand together, read from God's word. John chapter 10, verses 1 through 21. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, and they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. 
Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Wow, listen to him. Others said, these are not the, wor- are, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Amen. This is God's word. You can be seated. And so, to get a broader picture of what's going on here in this text, again, we need to look in the Old Testament. Because Jesus knew the Old Testament backwards and forwards. And when he talked, he was usually talking about the Old Testament. And so, we're going to see, he calls himself the Good Shepherd. What does that mean? That means that there were probably bad ones who would mean the sheep harm. And we're going to find condemnation of them in Ezekiel 34. So turn with me to Ezekiel 34. Remember, we talked about earlier, Just there were these shepherds over the flock of Israel, these leaders who were leading Israel astray. And here in Ezekiel 34, you find the Lord's condemnation against them. And you kind of hear what they've been doing when it concerning their sheep. Ezekiel 34, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds. Now again, make sure we understand this is talking about the leaders, not the actual people who tended real sheep, but people who tended Israel as a people. Thus, say, thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought. And with with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered, because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. The sheep were scattered over the face of the earth, and no one to search or seek for them. So again, and stay there, because we're going to read through a lot of this passage. This is a judgment against the people who were placed over Israel. What were they doing? Rather than feeding the sheep and taking care of them, they were taking from the sheep. They were clothing themselves with the sheep's wool. They were killing the sheep and feeding themselves with them. They were benefiting from the sheep rather than feeding the sheep like they should have been doing. Does it sound like anything you've heard about from today? So look with me at 7 through 10. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts since there was no shepherd, and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and not fed my sheep, Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand, 
and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, that they may not be food for them. So again, the sheep of Israel are going to be delivered from these false teachers. Now look at 11 through 16, and this is how the Lord plans to do that. And this is going to bring John 10 to just to the light for us. Look at verse 11. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that I have been, that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all the places where they have scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and I will bring them into their own land and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. They shall lie down in good grazing land and on the rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. Does this not sound like the work that Jesus Christ came to do on this earth? Here in Ezekiel 34. I think this passage gives us a great backdrop for what is going on in Israel. They are desperate for a shepherd to lead them in the good ways rather than the bad. Psalm 23 that we looked at this morning says just that as well. The Lord is the perfect shepherd. And I think Psalm 23 is a great text to look at what a shepherd does. Psalm 23 is a handbook for how to shepherd your flock if you are a leader of people in the church. The leaders of Israel had been leading their people astray for years. And now Jesus comes to set the record straight and deliver his people and deliver them to green pastures. And so with that, let's look at the first point. The thief comes to destroy. And so we're going to look at how John 10 describes the thief. What does the thief do? It says he does not enter the sheepfold by the door. The sheepfold, you can kind of picture this, is where the sheep were kept. And I think a lot of times our modern minds want to think of this nice, neat fence that has a gate and everything. Probably not the case back in Israel. There was probably a cave that they kept the sheep in at night or like a enclosure of some kind that was more of a natural thing. And there probably wasn't a real door like you and I think of a door today, but more of an entry area that was kind of closed off and was guarded by the shepherd himself most of the time. So the only way through to the sheep was through the shepherd or to jump over the side somehow, if there was a way to do that. And that's what Jesus says happens here with the, he who enters by the door is the shepherd, 
the gatekeeper, what is, or what does the thief or the robber do? They climb in another way. So essentially, if you didn't come in through the door, you probably weren't the shepherd, but some kind of poser as the shepherd. And in this case, the terms thief and robber that Jesus uses over and over again here denote both deception and violence. So not only deceiving the sheep through lies, but also injuring the sheep. Where the, This is where we get the word robber here. And so through deception and violence. Whoever this person is that Jesus is speaking of doesn't have the best interest of the sheep at heart. And so what does it say about a stranger? It says a stranger they will not follow. I mean, think about a shepherd and his sheep. And again, we have a hard time with this. I've never kept sheep, and I've, I've been around sheep like one time in my life, and they're pretty dumb animals from what I could tell. They really, they just kind of have this vacant expression on their face. Um, but a shepherd had a very close relationship with his sheep. He knew them all by name, as this passage tells us. The sheep would only follow the shepherd because they only trusted in him. Everyone else was dangerous. Everything else was dangerous. If you're a sheep, you don't have a whole lot to defend yourself with. You need the shepherd. So they wouldn't follow just anyone. They need direction. They follow the shepherd. Look at verse 8. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. And the sheep did not listen to them. Remember Ezekiel 34. We just read. The shepherds were robbing the sheep. They were taking the wool. They were actually taking the lives of the sheep and feeding themselves with them. This is who Jesus is talking about. And he may have been referring here to the false messiahs that were a normal thing in Jesus' time, and I think there's some of that. But undoubtedly, he was referring to those who would lead his people, Israel, astray. And now that he is here, the real shepherd, what does he say about himself? He is the door. He is guarding the sheepfold. No one can come through him unless he lets them. And then he goes on in verse 10. What does he say about the thief? The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. Who is the thief? These false teachers. These false shepherds. They only come to steal and kill and destroy. Remember what we read from Ezekiel 34. They come to steal the sheep's wool. They come to kill the sheep and feed off of them. They only seek, think of this in the in the terms of the covenant even, they only seek to keep you from your covenant blessings that await those who trust the Lord because they're a false teacher. They're a false shepherd. They will convince you that your blessings are in what you can do or what they can do for you. They will only take for you, from you. They will promise you the world, but only deliver grief and guilt. And so for centuries, think of this as as Israel, for centuries, 
Israel's waiting on their Messiah because they were a stiff-necked people who were listening to their unbelieving leaders rather than following the Lord himself. And so now their Messiah is among them. And who are they putting their trust in? Someone else. And then what does the thief do when trouble comes? He runs. The thief isn't the owner of the sheep, so he has no vested interest in them. So when trouble comes to take over the sheep, what does he do? He runs. When the wolf comes, he takes the spoils. He runs to a safe place to count them, leaving the sheep to fend for themselves against wolves. And that's not really a match. When trouble comes, the thief leaves the the sheep for themselves. And so then what do they do without a leader? They scatter. They go out to the, the furthest reaches. They run away. They leave the sheepfold empty. Think about this for just a second. This whole progression that's been going on here, talking about the thief. Surely you're seeing parallels, and sadly, you're seeing parallels with the church today. Prosperity teachers, they litter our televisions, social media with garbage like, believe in yourself and you can have what you want. You're a sheep. What do you do? Believe in yourself? Just speak prosperity into your life and you can have health and wealth. Or this one that's a lot more subtle. Just have enough faith. And you can harness the power of God as if he's something to plug into, which is another phrase they use, plug into the power of God, as if he's like a light switch or something. And what do they look? They look flashy. They dress nice. But they have deceit on their lips. Thankfully, these are easy to pick out. It's really easy to pick out someone who's got a $1,000 suit on and is talking health and wealth. We can pick that out. All of us can. However, the hard ones are the ones who look just like any other shepherd of the flock, any other pastor, khaki pants, button-down shirt, like you see here, who would stand in front of you and under the guise of preaching God's word would offer you some helpful advice and some motivation on keeping keeping on and pressing yourself forward and and with God's help will power through this as if God was simply the last little nudge that we needed to help ourselves these leaders last for a time and they all do but when their promises start to look like the last guys they leave and then what does a church do without a leader scatters and we have broken churches all over our countryside churches that have been through this cycle multiple times what do they do they're a lot less likely to trust anybody and so they chew up and spit out anybody who comes to them and we have bitter churches we have bitter young men who are going into the pastorate and it's a horrible horrible cycle understand that though the false teacher And though these false leaders are directly responsible, it's our great enemy, the devil, who is truly at work here. And he revels when the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And the way that our enemy destroys the churches 
is by bringing in deceitful teaching and making sure that the congregation who is listening doesn't know any better. And so this is a call for action for the congregation. You should be the ones who are strongly considering the words that are being spoken by your leadership. And I know that we're a small group here, but we should always be on guard. I mean, I don't plan to deceive you anytime soon. But part of what makes this work is you holding me as your leader, as your pastor, accountable to teach the full counsel of God's word and to teach it well. You do the same for Andy when he teaches Sunday school as another leader of the church. For the health of this congregation, the people must study their Bibles. They must know when they hear lies spoken. And we got to do this to help each other. We got to do this to help other brothers and sisters who attend other congregations. We have to listen for them. We have to help one another in this because I believe that the shepherd typically in scripture is referring to the office of elder or pastor. However, each one of us have a responsibility to offer in this regard, and we should be guarding one another. Most importantly, we lean upon this truth that Jesus gives us. And so this is a challenge to all of us, to closely consider the words that are being taught every week. Please, for my sake and for yours, and for the sake of all believers everywhere. And that leads us to the next point, the Son comes to give life. What does Jesus say in verse 9? He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. I love this. Hopefully you're making a connection with all the passages that we've read this morning. He leads me beside green pastures and still waters, and he restores my soul. In Ezekiel, that passage there in Ezekiel 34, and I'm going to read it again. Ezekiel 34, 14 and 16, 14 through 16. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. I love that. Verse 9. They will go out and in, and they will find pasture. This should remind you of the covenant blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. What did he come to do? When sin came in the world, we died. The Bible says that you will surely die. In your sin. Well, Jesus comes that we might have life. We were once promised life in the garden. And then Adam's sin, and subsequently our own sins, have taken that from us. However, Jesus comes to restore life to us, comes to restore our soul. 
He leads us beside still waters. He leads us beside green pastures. He leads us in paths of righteousness that we might live forever with him. I mean, it makes me think of the tree of life in Revelation 22 as well. What does, what does Revelation 22 say of the tree of life that was once found in Eden? Will be restored in heaven, and its leaves will be for the healing of the nations. As far as the curse is found, Jesus is coming to remove the curse. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Not just life today, but life for all eternity. I am the good shepherd, is what Jesus says. Another one of his I am statements that points to his deity. I am the good shepherd. What does the good shepherd do? He doesn't run when there's trouble. Is there trouble in the sheepfold? Absolutely. And it's the sheep. He doesn't run away when there's trouble, but instead he lays his life down for the sheep. The hired hand wouldn't do this. The thief won't do this. Only one who is invested in the lives of the sheep will sacrifice for him. His sheep know him. They hear his voice. I mean, even look at verse 6. The people there, they don't even know what he's talking about. They don't understand him. Why? Because they're not his. This isn't a new concept in this book. The people that are his are listening and get it. The ones who aren't can't. And then he goes on, verses 17 and 18. For this reason the Father loves me, because I laid down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. He is talking now not only of his death, but also of his resurrection, which he has hinted at in other places in the book. However, here we have a very explicit mention that he will indeed rise again. Not only will he raise from the dead, but he's going to raise others from the dead. He's going to cure others of their sicknesses. He's going to make the blind to see. Because the curse is being undone. And if Jesus dies, we're, we have Easter upon us next week. And Think about this. Be thinking about this all week. If Jesus dies and stays in the grave, then what promises do we have? What can we hope in? The promises that, are, that of the new covenant that we were given that we would have life are null and void because the enemies of the covenant are not yet defeated. There's no one to follow through on the promises of Jesus stays in the grave. However, because he rose from the grave, the promises of the new covenant in him are yea and amen. We get the full blessings of the covenant because of his death and resurrection. We gain victory over sin and over death. And we carry this victory with us in our lives. This is how we can know a false teacher for sure. The way that we can know a false teacher for sure is they won't be telling you that. They will not preach the resurrection of Christ. They don't want you to hear it. They want you to hear that you have victory in and of yourself. That you can have victory just by believing or whatever. But we have victory today as his people because of what he did for us. 
A true teacher of the gospel is one who will preach and teach this because we have no other hope if Jesus is not risen from the dead. If we put our hope in anything else, we place it in folly and death, and we have been deceived. But if we place our hope in Christ, we place it in the one who can deliver us and who can still today lead us. And so for in conclusion, for us as believers, there's something for us to notice here. What Jesus said in verse 16, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also. They will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Well, who are these other sheep? Well, in Jesus' day, he was referring to the Gentiles, the ones who were outside the fold, so to speak, the ones that he also came to save. Us. We're all Gentiles. Who's he talking about it for us today? There are men and women right now in Murray, Kentucky, that are his people, that are just waiting to hear the word preached to them so that they will hear and listen and receive it. They will hear his voice. They will come to it. That is why we preach the gospel to everyone. Because we have no idea who the sheep are. We have no idea who his are. So we preach to everyone so that they will hear. And so this, this is an encouragement to me in my own personal ministry. And let it be an encouragement to you as well. There are many out there who the Lord has chosen for himself. And they will hear the gospel, and they will respond to it. Just like Paul said, they only need a preacher. How will they hear it without a preacher? We are that, brothers and sisters. Let us take this gospel out into the world and preach it out to them. And also, this is a command for us to study the word of God ourselves, that we might be on guard against the false teachers all the while taking the true gospel out into the world. Let's go to him in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your death for us. There was sin and darkness and death, and you, the good shepherd, laid down your life for us, your sheep, that we may have life and have it abundantly. And so help us to go out into the world where these other sheep are, that they might hear the word preached and that they might respond and come to you, that we might be of one fold and we might worship you, our one good shepherd. In your name we pray. Amen.